month of, of prayer around our state. I know that um, many churches participated in 21 days of hunger. Our church participated in the week of prayer, the first week of January. And one of the things that we have done throughout the years, at least since I've been pastor here for the past 12 years, is the last Sunday of January, after we've had this prayer emphasis that has lasted for a month, we've discovered that to be an ideal time for us to have a focus on praying for people for divine healing. And so as we looked at the timing of all of this, we just felt like this is a great time. Number one, at the beginning of the year, we pray for people all, all year long, number one. when at the, at the end of services, we always have people available to pray. Uh, but we've just felt that there needs to be a focus, I believe, in the church where we begin to recognize that the God that we serve has abilities and capabilities and a desire to do things within our lives and within our bodies that will bring him glory and benefit us. And so because of the love of God, we begin to focus on these things. And today I, I want to spend just a few minutes. I'm not going to preach an entire message. I just want to share with you some devotional thoughts. And if you have a pen and pencil, you may want to just jot down some scriptural references that I'm going to read to you today. But we're going to be talking about the prayer for healing. And I want to begin this morning with a passage of scripture that's found in the Bible that provides us basically the mission statement for Christ Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I'm going to be reading this particular verse this morning out of the New King James Version. Luke 4, 18, Jesus speaking, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recover sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Don't know about you, but I'm awful glad that I serve a Savior who has this kind of a job description and this kind of a love for his people. He says, this is what I've come to do. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we have already heard through a prophetic word today of a sense of anticipation of what you are about to do. You have told us that when we worship you, that you inhabit the praises of your people. In other words, Lord, we can be assured that we are in the presence of your Holy Spirit by virtue of the attitude of the heart in which we praised you. We recognize, O oh God, that there is a greater sense of anticipation in your Holy Spirit as to what you want to do than there is in our hearts as to the desire that we have for what you want to accomplish. And so our prayer today is that over these next few moments that you will take the testimony that I'm about to share, the, the scriptures that I'm about to share, and that you would build a foundation in the hearts and minds of each of us in preparation for the healing that you want to begin to do in people's souls, in their spirit, in their bodies. And, oh, Father God, everything that you desire to do, we will give you glory for. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you recognize the name Jack Hayford. How many of you have heard that name before? One of my spiritual influencers through the years, and a few days ago on January the 8th, he passed away. And when news of his passing reached us, I was reminded of his testimony, and I don't know how many of you know it, but he has a phenomenal testimony that he had given of his childhood. Some of you that may know the story can, can remember it as I tell it, but when he was one year old, he was told that he was going to die. His parents were told that he was going to die. 
When he was born, there was something wrong with his neck, and the doctors couldn't fix it. It was twisted in such a way that was beginning to obstruct the way that he could breathe, and it was inevitable that with the passing of time, it would cut off his ability to breathe and that he would die. It would twist his neck to the point where it could not function. And the doctor told his parents at that stage when he was just an infant, there is nothing that we can do. We have reached the end of our knowledge as it relates to this, and we just need to prepare you as parents for what's going to happen. They said, what we can do is that when you bring him in, we can try to massage that and try to bring it around that uh, would allow you to have a little longer time with him, and perhaps it can relieve some of his pain. And so while he was just an infant, he had 50 to 60 visits, two or three times a week, but the doctor continually told his family, there is nothing that we can do to correct this. Jack Hayford says, my parents did not know the Lord. My mother's cousin didn't know the Lord either, but she heard about a Pentecostal church in Long Beach, California at that time where Jesus was healing people. So my aunt wrote down what was wrong with me on a card and took it to the church and there she found somebody there, and she asked them, there is a little baby that's dying, and I brought this note with everything listed on it that is wrong with him. Is there anybody here that could pray for him? The people said that they would, and they took the note, and they began to pray. And that, started, that prayer started on a Wednesday night at the prayer meeting of that church. The next day, he says, my parents began to notice something was changing. My mother's cousin had told her that she had taken the prayer request over to the church. Within the next few days, the doctor said, this baby is well. There is nothing wrong with him. Not only did the doctor declare me well, the doctor looked at them when it came time to pay the bill and says, you owe me nothing because I didn't do any of this. He said, I don't know what you would call it, but this has been something that only God could do. He says, I know that I would not be alive and I wouldn't be able to talk about Jesus to other people today if it hadn't been that God healed me when I was a baby. He says, then when I was three years old, I contacted polio. Most kids today have a shot or a pill that will vaccinate them, but when I was a little boy, they didn't have those shots or pills. Polio was then like cancer is today. There were great epidemics. Hundreds of thousands of people were afflicted. Children who had nothing wrong with them all of a sudden would be struck with this weakness and it was called infantile paralysis and they would no longer be able to walk. My parents took me to the doctor who examined me. He said, I remember as a child sitting on a table being held up and they were tapping my knee with that thing to see if I had any response at all. I didn't. There was no response. Every time I tried to walk, I fell down. The doctors told me, or told me and my parents that day, take this child to the hospital immediately. It's another case of polio. By now, after God had healed me as a child and I was still alive, my parents had come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And so they said, before we go home, Let's stop at the church. And so as they did so, they got to the church. 
And they actually told the doctor, we're going to stop at the church first. And the doctor got mad. He said, you get this baby to the hospital. My folks said, we'll do what you said, but first we must go to the church for prayer. They called and asked Pastor Watson Tiford if they could bring me over. Dr. Tiford said, bring the baby over and I'm going to call for the elders of the church to be here when you arrive. When I got there, I was anointed with oil and I was prayed for. After they prayed for me, my parents asked, asked Dr. Tiford what they should do. Shall we take him to the hospital? Dr. Tiford said, I'll tell you what, it's just a matter of a couple of hours. First, take Jack home and let him lay down and let him go to sleep. Don't let him try to walk because right now it's in his mind that he can't. But when he wakes up, he will have forgotten that. And the first thing he will do is that he will stand up and walk. And so the fear will be gone then. Just take him home, let him go to sleep. And the pastor said, everything is going to be all right. Jack said, that's exactly what happened. When I woke up, I jumped out of bed and I began to walk. It's important to note that my parents were not believers when I was healed of my birth defect as a child. They weren't members of the church, but the church prayed for me anyway. Later, my father accepted an invitation to attend a church service where he and my mother had received the Lord, and they didn't realize it at the time, but it was the same church that prayed for me and my healing when I was a baby. I want you to know something today. This is just one of what would be millions of testimonies, some that are represented within this room right here this morning, of what God has done and what God can do. God used that divine healing to glorify his name and as a confirming sign that there is power in the name of Jesus. How many of you believe that today? There is power in the name of Jesus. Sooner or later, in some way or another, everyone needs God's intervention. Whether we face a physical need, a psychological need or a spiritual challenge, something will come our way that cannot be remedied by the advances of science and medicine or therapy. No matter what the circumstances of life may be that you are facing today or those of you that are watching online me might have today, I want you to know that you can seek the help of God. You need to know, I carry a strong conviction that God works on many fronts to accomplish his purpose. He works at the altar of churches to accomplish his purpose. He also works in science laboratories, pharmaceutical companies. He works through trained wisdom of the medical care professionals. He gives wisdom and discernment to therapists and the counselors and an anointing to ministers and elders. He enlightens the paramedic and the nurses and the doctors. He gives insight into all the people that help others psychologically and spiritually, leading to physical healings. Why does he do this? Because he loves you unconditionally. And I will never suggest to you that God heals every person who ever prays for a physical healing with a miracle the way we want to see it. But I want you to know that God hears every prayer that is prayed in his name. And I do believe that God offers answers and solutions and remedy and strength and will open the doors of those who seek him. I would like to quickly just give to you a few verses that you can jot down that 
represent different kinds of healing in the Bible, and perhaps there may be one that would particularly speak to you. Biblical examples of God answering the prayer for healing. I've often said, and I continue to do so, that everything that we believe here in this church and everything that we proclaim from this pulpit needs to have scriptural foundation. If it's in the Bible, we want to believe it. If it's not there, we're not going to add it in. And prayer for healing is the most prominent prayer that is prayed in the Bible. In fact, the Bible refers to God's healing of those who sought it more than 75 times in the Old and New Testaments. So let me share with you some scriptures, and I'm not going to expound on any of these. I'm just going to read them to you. Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his slave girls, so that they could have children again. If that applies to you, then jot it down. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was upon him, and by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. A man with leprosy or a skin disease came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hands and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of leprosy. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. News about him spread all over Syria. The people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain. Any of you need healing from pain today? Just was wondering. Those that were suffering pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Mark chapter 4, verses 41 through 42. He took the girl by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kuam, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. All this that was completed left them astonished. Mark chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees that are walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Luke chapter 17, verses 12 through 14. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus Master, have pity on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Five important lessons that we learn from this. Number one, God heals people to glorify himself. God heals people to glorify himself. Secondly, God's healing power not only touched the physical body, It also healed people psychologically and spiritually with an impact as well. Thirdly, at times the Lord's response came immediately 
And at other times, his answer came through a process. There were moments where something happened instantly. There were others that the 10 lepers had to walk in faith, and as they went, they were healed. There were others that were a process by which he touched the eyes and I can see, but the healing is not complete until he touched them again. He didn't do the same thing every time, but sometimes it came instantly and other times through a process. Number four, God healed people because they had a destiny to fulfill. He always gave them instructions of what to do and what to say and how to live after he brought healing to them. And number five, those who sought God's healing were genuine. In sincerity, they came with their petitions, and they had faith that God could do it. I conclude with this thought. Today, there are people that are here that are looking for hope with no end in sight. I have received phone calls all week long of people that were anticipating this day and this service, some of which that we're going to be here today and others were in no condition to get here and we'll have other people standing in proxy for them. But we come to this point in time recognizing what it instructs us in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. And then there's this added apart. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. In other words, healing starts in the spiritual realm and then moves into the physical realm. Our God is a healing God. And when there's no end in sight, and it's easy to lose heart, if you've come to that point, then remember, God's timing and God's agenda are not your timing and your agenda. I want you to know that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully created and loved by God. And he will see you through the darkest times, regardless of your circumstances today. The God of the universe is here. And he is on your side. 